0: My guest on Talk Design today is Rebecca Hay from Rebecca Hay Designs in Toronto. Now, Rebecca's a powerhouse. She's also a podcast host, and she is the creator of Power of Process, which is an online course that she's created. Um, Rebecca has a very successful interior design business, she's a busy mum. And as I say, she's a powerhouse. She gets things done and she's a wonderful teacher. So when we post all her socials and stuff, just have a look at what she does on Instagram, etc., and get some of the journey that she gives to you out of the goodness of her heart. She gives to you in her teaching style. And she's like really upbeat, really fun, really enthusiastic and ridiculously passionate about helping others with interior design and also helping others who want to do interior design. Rebecca, welcome to Talk Design.
1: Ooh, 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 what an (laughs) intro. Thank you. Thank you so much, Adrian, for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Also forgot to mention that I love the accent. You don't oh. you don't hear your own accent, but yeah. it's phenomenal. I,
0: I, think, I thought you had the accent.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's how it works. <laughs> Seriously though, thank you for having me.
0: Uh it's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Um I'm so excited to do this podcast as well because You know, you get all these different kind of guests on your podcast, which is one thing. But when you find these sort of like there's people that you have a different kind of connection with, you suddenly go, oh, that person snaps my brain into some sort of shape. And some of them you don't get that, but then you discover it in the podcast. Well, it's already happened Mm -hmm. for me watching you online. I'm already like, oh, man, I love that. I love that energy that you bring to things. That's really fun. Well, that's
1: the power of just putting your – honest and authentic self out there if you're willing to do so because in a way you kind of eliminate those first introductions right like clients used to say that to me all the time they're like oh I'd go for a consultation they'd be like oh I feel like I already know you and they'd give me a hug (laughs) (laughs) It's like this is a little bit awkward
0: (laughs) not so tight (laughs) yes okay let go now let go now (laughs) it is (laughs) <laughs> do you know from a from a view... But it is it's great. Yeah, that that's a really interesting thing. You're giving people an authentic look at who you are um in your business um before they ever meet you. Like before they physically meet mm-hmm. you. Um and mm-hmm. it is a great runway to be able to do that, to be able to share something and also it's probably informed their decision on why you're there already.
1: Well, 100%. Yeah. And I think like nowadays because we're all online and there's so much technology to use, you can use it to your advantage and you can help to speed that onboarding process along a little bit, right? Like yeah. clients get to know you. They make that decision. They don't have to meet multiple designers before they make their decision maybe, right? Because they, personality is so important to a working relationship when you have a service-based business. You know yeah,
0: that.
1: Yeah, 100%. You need to get along. Uh,
0: people people hire people. Yep. That's, that's the rule. You know, people hire people. They hire what they want done, but they hire the person they believe will do it. And I think that's a really totally. key point. I can't believe how deep we just jumped into that then. Oh, my I goodness. Wanna, Whoa, sorry. Yeah, back it up. Back <laughs> it <laughs> you up, You fed baby. that to
1: me. I couldn't help myself. <laughs>
0: um, let's start with who the hell is Rebecca Hay? Where did she come from? What's the journey? Give us a bit of runway on... Who you are and where you got this passion from to do interior design, and then the passion to teach. So,
1: yes. Okay. Well, loaded question, and I'll give you the <laughs> official <laughs> the answer version. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I'd always say that my path to interior design was long and convoluted in a sense that I did not know what I wanted to do. When I was in high school, I had no freaking clue on what I wanted to quote unquote, be when I grew up. And I don't think many of us do. I was always a creative person. Uh, you know, one point when I was a little child, I wanted to have my own school. I was clearly always very entrepreneurial. That yep. started from an early age. I think my first business was delivering letters to people on my street. I opened my own like Golden Gate Crescent um, post office. Cause I, as an eight year old, I thought it was ridiculous. Why would you go to the post office to send a letter to someone down the street? An eight-year- old's not thinking that probably you don't mail letters to people on your street <laughs> but I was I was always looking for solutioning.
0: <laughs> that's really funny that one I lo- uh, how old would have you been?
1: Uh, seven or eight
0: right that's uh, yeah. I, I love it like but service based as well um,
1: that's a good point Yes, service based yeah, service-based. yeah. Mm, interesting I have so this,
0: I have this weird question about post offices, yeah. So how many people, how how many people live in say England? And we know it's like, um, isn't it something like 60 million? And then there's say 20 million, 24 million people who live in Australia. So go back in the day, not nowadays, but back in the day when people sent letters, do you think that there was more letters sent from England to Australia or Australia to England and you pay for the postage? in the place that you send it from so does Mm -hmm. is there some balancing system that goes ah hold on you sent one million two hundred thousand letters and we sent we Mm -hmm. received that number from you from your country so that's x amount of dollars to pay for our posties on the ground and on the other side of it we sent back um 800,000 letters. So there's only a deficit of, say, 400,000, whatever it is. How the hell does that work?
1: (laughs) Adrian, I love how your mind works. It's not something I have ever considered. (laughs) You
0: started out really young in the post office business. (laughs) I thought you were going to give me my answer.
1: I'm going to take this one home to the husband tonight and say, oh, wow, I just had this really interesting conversation with this Kiwi Idiot. turned Aussie. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. It's a good point. Like you're receiving all these letters, but people are only paying to send them out.
0: Interesting. No, And, and somewhere that, that postal <laughs> service, some, some countries it's privatized. And so I'm going, well, you know, the entrepreneurial side of me goes, how the hell does this money model work? Where does, it, where does it come and go to? Um, because there's got to be a deficit. It could never be even. They don't say, hold on, hold on, hold on. We received one million three hundred letters from you. Uh, 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 that one can't go. I'm sorry.
1: These were, these were not conundrums I had to deal with as a seven-year-old. <laughs> I think I received in one gold, letter.
0: In Golden Crescent.
1: <laughs> in Goldgate Crescent. I think I delivered one letter and it was probably my mom probably wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> for me to deliver down the road. So I can't answer your question. <laughs> oh,
0: <dear man. laughs>
1: Terribly disappointing, I know. I but love- I was an entrepreneur. Like, yeah. I don't know. It was something that it, uh, I grew up with entrepreneurial parents as well. So it was modeled for me. Uh-huh. But um, I, I guess I think I secretly always knew I wanted to run the show. I wanted to have my own business one day. But I never really could figure out what it would be. Yeah. Um, so I, like I went, I did all the things. You know, you graduate from high school. I was actually passionate about theater. I wanted to do musical theater, but I was just too insecure and nervous to even apply to school. I loved acting. I used to do musicals all throughout high school, and I loved it. That's my first passion, for sure, singing and acting. But I wasn't a triple threat because I was not a good dancer. (laughs) So I think that held me back. And so I just went off to university like everybody does. And I did, you know, an undergrad. I did political science. Yeah. I majored in political science and English because it was general and it was interesting. Uh, it has not helped me in any way in my future, um, other than I was in Montreal and I had a really good time. They had really <laughs> great bars and <laughs> partied a lot. <laughs> we'll manage to so, pass and graduate. Yeah, exactly.
0: Good work. Good work. Yeah
1: but then uh so then i didn't know i ended up traveling like the short of it all is i traveled to spain i lived in spain teaching english because i had considered teachers college i always liked the idea of teaching yeah. um but then i so i taught in spain i taught esl I didn't love that experience because there's so much structure to it mm-hmm. so then i came back to canada i went out west i went to vancouver and i went to uh when i retell the story it makes me sound like crazy how did my parents how could they have supported me through all of this? I went to film school oh, cool. <laughs> to pursue my dream as an actor. Yeah. Got myself an agent. Yeah. Um, my big claim to fame was I had a non-speaking role in one episode of a TV series with Anne Hesch called Men in Trees.
0: Oh, I remember. <laughs> and you'll
1: never find it because <laughs> I'm. I remember it. Speaking. My kids watch it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. So I did that, and then you know, the acting thing was a real it was a real i don't know what the word is it was tiring it was audition after audition after audition and i thought i was working in a restaurant at the time i was managing the restaurant i'm like this can't be my life i was in my late 20s and i said no i'm gonna go back to school for interior design i've always loved it you know my mom was always really talented at it i grew up in homes that were beautifully designed. And so I went back to school for interior design. Then it ended up bringing me back to Toronto where I worked for a designer as his right hand for almost five years. And then I went out on my own and I did actually work a little bit behind the scenes in television. I worked on some HGTV shows like the Property Brothers and Income Property. And uh, I worked on those shows designing and And then I was kind of on my own. And it just sort of grew from there. I had, you know a few a couple of co- people working on contracts, some interns, and I just kept growing and growing. and until I realized that, you know, it was really kind of necessary for me to kind of get my business together because I was a good designer. Um, but I was terrible at the business side. And I right. recognized there it was very stressful running a service-based business Mm -hmm. can be doesn't have to be but it can be very stressful Mm -hmm. so that I don't know if that answers your question but that was my sort of long and convoluted path to get almost to where I am today
0: I love I love that path because part of your ability to um present on camera um you know with with your like uh, your social media and then also in you know power of process those kind of things your ability to present you actually got a real flair for it and I haven't seen you dancing in it but then there's probably a reason <laughs> for a that reason I've been waiting that. for the dancing <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do love to dance I will tell you it's one of my favorite things to do I, I just think I like to dancing you know, is so stage. good
0: in fact my my wife um Gave me for Father's Day, I think it was. Was it Father? No, it was for my birthday. Gave me um, dance lessons with her. Um yeah, She wants me to improve, clearly. Yeah, that was a nice way of saying you could do better.
1: <laughs> I think most women would like their husbands to dance more. <laughs> I, I dance. I
0: dance a lot with her. So, um, yeah, she's oh, probably just cute. going, I'm sick of my feet being stood on. Um, yes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Whisk who, me away, who,
1: spin yeah. me, twirl me. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> um she's very very good at making look, me look like I'm the one who's leading the uh dance when we dance but she is clearly in the lead
1: <laughs> as with yes. most
0: things in my life
1: ah, <laughs> oh, the women tend to be <laughs> yeah it just
0: tends to work out that way um I really love that that journey of the story because you did search and then you followed that passion and you've actually woven that passion back into what your business oh. is now so without having probably done that own searching and going out to film school and stuff, you possibly would have never taken it to this next level of teaching others. You know, it might've, you might've just been had a wonderful interior design business. And um, I
1: think, I think it's an important sort of message to other people who are maybe just starting out mm -hmm. that you don't have to have it figured out. Like it's, I don't know what it's like in school now, but when I was in high school, there's felt like there was so much pressure to know what you were going to do with the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And the world has changed. It's not like it used to be in my parents' generation which was you pick one career and you stick with it and you don't change and you don't do anything else. You get your pension or what have you. Yeah. But those pensions don't exist the way they did and and the in the in the, the world has changed and so I think Testing and trying is so powerful, and people are afraid, I think, sometimes to try something because they feel like, Oh, I'm losing all that time. Yeah, you don't lose time actually, if anything, you gain that experience. And to your point, I feel like now. It's like this culmination of all of these strengths that I've had that I've honed in in different eras of my life have all come together. Like, I love to be on camera and present, but I also love to inspire and teach. Yeah. So, I get to perform, I get to teach, I get to be creative with the design. Like, to me, for me as who I am, it's like the trifecta, but I couldn't have just jumped right into this.
0: No, I you needed to yeah, have you,
1: those experiences. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a journey to get there. It's um
1: yeah
0: yeah I, I I think that sort of thing is also like you know you've got a podcast so when you started your podcast like what what motivated you to do it like what what was the thing that you went okay I'm gonna set up a podcast because it's not like you're not busy doing interiors yeah <laughs> tell
1: like, me about and, it. and know, a mum and a mum
0: yeah running two kids. Yeah, like it's not like you haven't got a bit going on, but you know, add something else to it. Like, why not? What could possibly go wrong? So adding a podcast, what what inspired you to do that?
1: Um, I'd like to hear what inspired you too, but um, <laughs> I know it's not my pet We'll save that for when oh, you're well, on my yeah. podcast. Okay,
0: we'll do that then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can share anyways. Um, uh, you know what? I think it was one of those things that I, I like to kind of stay in, on top of what's going on. and I'm not super high tech, but I like to be in the in the realm of what's happening. And so I was listening to podcasts and really loved them. And I actually wanted to have a podcast for a couple of years. And I had a few failed attempts. I was like, I need to have a podcast, but I thought I had to have someone do it with me because uh-huh. I just didn't feel confident to do it on my own. So at first it was going to be my husband. So of course he's keen, buys all the gear and all the equipment, which is why I have a fancy microphone that you commented on when we were offline. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> i the love mixer it. of I the love it. Yep. yards, but like couldn't get his button gear to actually find a time to record with me. So then that went out the window. Then um my girlfriend who works in corporate, we thought, oh yeah, this is really cool. We'll get together. She's working at LinkedIn at the time. Uh-huh. Like, let's get together. It'll be like moms, that, like talking about moms, but you're she's like the intrapreneur, and I'm the entrepreneur, right? So the intrapreneur is someone who is entrepreneurial but within the corporate setting. Yeah. But then again, coordinating the times was a nightmare. And finally I just said, screw this. I'm just gonna do my own. And it happened honestly, when the pandemic hit, because uh-huh. what 2020, as all of us know, things just screeched to a halt. I had a couple projects that were in construction that were allowed to keep going, but otherwise everything was on hold. We were all at home. And I was like, this is my time. This is when I'm going to do it. Because if I'm, if not now, then when, right? And uh-huh. it was, that's when I did it. It was 2020. Like, I'm just going to start recording. I'll batch a couple episodes. We'll see how it goes because I'd had a lot of designers coming to me for, for help or, or they wanted to learn from me. They wanted me to mentor them. And, it's hard to fit that into your busy schedule when you're running a business Mm -hmm. and a family. And I had been organizing prior to the pandemic in 2019, I had been organizing local meetups for designers. And the idea was I wanted to bring designers together in Toronto who wanted to collaborate and talk to other designers. Because a lot of the times when you're running your own business, you're a solo. Or maybe you have a junior designer or an intern, but they're not someone that you're bouncing business ideas off of, yeah. right? And if you are, they may not have a lot of feedback <laughs> for you. Or a lot, or as, as someone who used to try to do that, I can tell you,
0: they're not. Doesn't they're,
1: always get you anywhere.
0: Yeah, they can. They can probably um, sympathize, but they can't empathize because they don't know the shoes you're walking in. Only yeah, you know the experience. shoes you're walking in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so that started and the meetups were great. And the first one was a hit. It was at a local pub and there must have been 50 people who showed up. It blew my mind. And it showed me designers in my city anyways were really hungry for connection. Mm-hmm. And, and so I did them every month. And then we were in lockdown and I couldn't do them anymore. So I started to do them on Zoom. I was like, oh, we'll do a designer meetup on Zoom once a month. And what I found is I showed up hoping that we'll just all chat. But everybody was sort of sitting there waiting for me to talk. And so I thought, oh, boy, okay, I guess I need to come prepared. And then it, that sort of made me think, well, the podcast is the much better platform for this. Right. And what I, what's turned out that I've loved about the podcast is this. I love yeah. that I get to meet with other incredibly talented Driven individuals from literally around the world and mm-hmm. have a conversation for the better part of an hour. Like, mm-hmm. when else would you get that opportunity? It's mm-hmm. so freaking cool. So the podcast has just been such a passion project. It doesn't bring in any money. Still looking for sponsors. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I just—it really is just contact an incredible me for way to with
0: those sponsorships, and I'll pass yes, them both... through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> promise. Promise. I'll pass them
1: through. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's how it started. I don't know, what got you into podcasting? Well, a
0: really interesting, somewhat similar journey. Um, What I did, I've always been a connector of people. I've always, like, I'm an extrovert. I will talk to people. um, And I'm always fascinated by why people, what people's story is and why they... Probably more on the business side, why they did what they did—that fascinates me. And so, over the years, um, I've been a big traveller, and so I will meet with—I'll meet people, and I kind of just keep them in my. Well, I'd say to people, you know, I don't say to them, but I say to other people, I keep people in my pocket. I go, huh, those—that person's really amazing, and. Um, I I really enjoyed them. And I really learned, I've I've got the the ability, luckily to usually see or find something great in everybody I meet. Um, so I, I look at the world from a very, you know, sunny side up. And I love that. Well, my wife says to me, you, you've taught, she's, she's a business coach, my wife, and she's very process. And, um, she's much more intro, you know, she's introverted, but she's, you know, she works with big organizations and with founders and entrepreneurs and stuff like that. But she, um, she goes, you taught me to look for what's good in people as opposed to what's not good in people. And I went, Aww. I'm only looking for what's good in them. I don't care about what's bad in them until it's, until it shows itself and then I'll make my decision on them because I've got a set of values. So anyway, with that, I, um, the pandemic hit and I've been going, I've been listening to the odd podcast, not a lot, just some. And I, I was uh, just pre the pandemic. I was in Austin, Texas, and I was, uh, I, I wanted to meet a guy called Matt Risinger, and Matt Risinger has Risinger build in Austin and um, he's a building scientist. And so I had this thing where I went, I want to meet this guy, Matt. And uh, he's a G- he's a GC, you know, general contractor. Mm-hmm. But he has a, like an online show, um, the Build Show, where he gives lots of tips and talks about different things that he does and all the rest. But he builds multi-million-dollar homes. Anyway, I'm I'm in in at a, a architectural tour, and I see a guy that I've already met um, a year the year before and. Matt has built this house for this architect. And so I see Matt's there. So I go and I, I went over and I said to Hugh, I think it was, um, can you introduce me to Matt? And he goes, yeah, for sure, like this. So he introduced me to Matt and I said, Matt, you know, I I've, I've followed your show a bit. Um, I really love this building science idea. Um, you know, it, it, it's amazing. Not, and then I'm kind of out of words. I don't know what else to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, starstruck shit. yeah and um i said yeah i'd love to talk to you more about it at some point you know like this and he goes yeah well you know um do you, do you have a podcast or something and i went
1: oh my right God. in that
0: moment i went no but i'm about to start one so i'd love to have you as a guest and that was, was like,
1: that true or did you just make that <clears throat> oh <up>? shit
0: yeah <laughs> I, I i just went he just he just told me how i can spend time picking his brain I better get that going and um it hadn't really occurred to me but it kind of had that i could be doing something like this and then the pandemic hit and all the all my team you know went home and so i was sitting in my office all alone and i went you know i should really do that podcast thing i should do it i've got time where i don't have to be with everybody um, I've got my own space so I was like I should do that and so I set it up and that was what happened and then Matt's not on there till, for, till quite a bit I just made a list of all these different people in my life that had influenced me and that I saw as mentors and um, that I really enjoyed and some friends who I'd met who are architects that I really loved what they did and the way they approached things. Mm -hmm. So I made this list and I recorded 12 episodes before I went to air. Um, And it took me probably about, I reckon, three months to launch. And when I went to buy a microphone, I bought the last one on the shelf because everybody else started a podcast as well. (laughs) Um, When I went to buy a webcam for it, I bought the last one. I had to wait for the webcam. I couldn't get any lighting, just weird stuff like that and I just kept persisting and then I started it and the first person that I actually podcasted with was a guy called Kelly Vandermeer who somebody else introduced me to and um, we're still, we still, like last night we were texting each other. Um, Just amazing, like that connection and then from there i just i just reached out and started it and the, i have this little entrepreneurial piece to this which is um, the people you spend the most time with is the people you'll become the most like so mm-hmm. if i elevate the people who i am spending time with then i'm elevating myself and so the podcast is my my journey in elevating the time i spend the, the sorry, elevating the people, the, the level of people that I spend my time with. And, I love
1: that. I love that.
0: But that's that feeds me. If no, if if I had one listener, if I had zero listeners, it doesn't matter, because yeah. I'm I'm getting so much from it anyway. And then the podcast idea is is like, hey, uh, our conversation can inspire somebody else.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Do you hear my air conditioning in my building that just kicked in?
0: It's all good. I can. I can.
1: <laughs> oh
0: God. It's... I could
1: go turn it off. No, 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 no.
0: Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. So that was um, that was what got me into podcasting and I podcast I, I make an episode every week. Um, and I usually have, you know, twelve or so ahead. Um, sort of in the hopper. Wow. Um cool. Yeah, it's fun though, but I get so much out of podcasting with people that uh as i say if nobody listened it wouldn't matter it um yeah it's an exciting yeah i I love that Mm. i
1: love that i love that you started at the same time as me Mm. obviously there should be some interesting stats on how many podcasts were started during the pandemic
0: i would love to see the number (laughs) that lasted more than two years because podcasting is a reasonable amount of work it's still
1: sure is yeah yeah
0: You've got, that, that's a job to do. And to do it well, like I listen to some and I go, oh God, I've got to do so much with mine. I've got to do so much with mine. If anybody's out there and they're listening, is there anybody listening to us? <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> that's the weird thing about podcasting. Yeah. Cause you don't get any feedback in real time. No. You can't ask a question. I always find that so strange. I'm always telling people, send me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Did it resonate? So, if you're listening to Adrian and I right now, send me a DM on Instagram. Yeah, please, do, do and Let me know you listened. It, it, it's yeah. Exactly,
0: and ask something of it. You know, like it it, it. it is that thing. You know. So, if there was nobody listening, we would still get do what we're doing because we get to connect with others. And mm-hmm. and the fact that people are listening. Um, I think there's a bit of magic in the fact that we don't even know what will inspire them. We don't know the piece that will inspire them. They'll take from it what they want. You know, yeah, they'll, they'll, and I
1: love those conversations, the candid ones, probably like we're having here, yeah. that something might just spark something in a listener. And they'll say oh you said that one thing and it changed the trajectory of my career maybe not quite as extreme but you know you just never know what someone's going to take away from a conversation i think it's really cool
0: i i think the same i think it's incredible like what um you can deliver good information through it and then also inspires people and i do get like people write to me and say oh this one thing made a big difference to it i i was sitting last night at a function and um, a, a guy joined the conversation that we were sitting at, and he goes. He after a couple of minutes, he goes, "I I know you," and I went, "You do?" Like this, and he goes, "That voice," he said. I listened to your podcast, and that was like a, a a first for me with that. That somebody, and I I was like, "You're my one listener," you know, that whole thing, but. <laughs> He then started asking me questions around different podcasts that he'd listened to that I'd made.
1: Interesting. So he was, yeah. And that was a super fan.
0: I'm a super fan of his own, of his work. Um, So like, it was a really interesting exchange, but he, he said, I really enjoy listening to these ones. You know, I enjoy, I enjoyed these ones. Um, Some of them he doesn't care for some of them he does. So, but I think that whole thing of, um, connection is the biggest part, and when the pandemic hit, it was a great way to have connection and to raise your, your raise your, I suppose, consciousness level and the people that you talk to.
1: Yeah, and the great thing about podcasts is you don't have to sit down and focus all your energy into watching a video. Mm-hmm. You can listen while you're walking the dog. You can listen while you're driving the car. You can listen while you're cooking a meal. Like there's so much opportunity. Like I love podcasts because I love to learn. I'm always trying to uplevel my skill set, improve my mental health. Like whatever it is, I just I'm all for it. And so I will listen to it instead of listening to music quite often. So I think that's where are the way that we behave. I think yeah. it's so interesting how humans human behavior has changed over the last few years and that now we really are consuming a lot audibly which if you told us all a decade ago we'd be like that's crazy who's gonna listen to someone else talking in their ear like what
0: exactly (laughs) even me i'd go i wouldn't do it <laughs> yeah, do. no,
1: totally. I didn't do it before either, but I, it's been really powerful. And for me, especially with because I have the online course, and and I I love that with the podcast, I'm able to deliver so much information and and for free. Really, yeah. podcasts are free, yeah. and so I'm able to share tips and tricks and bring in incredible guests or and they don't necessarily have to be celebrity guests sometimes the best information Mm -hmm. just comes from Mm -hmm. someone you've never even heard of that's there and says something that just clicks and and for me it's been a really great way for me to connect with designers with creative professionals who are looking to grow their business improve their process and systems and make more money and they don't have the resources at their fingertips. They don't know what to do, and they really just wanna hear from someone who's gone through it before them. Yeah. And that's what I think is so interesting. So when I started, I was like, oh, who wants to listen to me? Like I'm not I'm not a celebrity. I don't have my T te- I don't have a TV show yet. Yeah. Right? Like I didn't that <laughs> <have> yet. <laughs> um, but I realized it's so powerful to help people that maybe like I'm just a little bit further on my journey. Uh-huh. And so what I learned yesterday or what I learned last year might not might feel trivial, but actually could be really powerful for someone to implement in their business. Cause it was powerful me for me. Yeah. Yeah. I learned it yeah
0: a hundred percent a hundred percent in saying that I'll give you a minute to answer this and I, I can fill in while you're while you think of what they are but tell us your two favorite podcasts and unless they come straight to mind um I've got two that I will share that uh, I I think are really interesting podcasts. but if you do you want a minute or do you want me to
1: I can tell you one right okay. off the bat. Yeah. Um, is designed by this. Adrian
0: Ramsey. Yeah,
1: oh, obviously. <laughs> I mean, that goes without <laughs> saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, um, it was no, how I, love, I built this.
1: It's called How I Built This. Yes. Uh, with Guy Raz, it's an yes. NPR podcast. Uh-huh. Uh I went through a phase in my life for in the last two years where I just binged it. I was obsessed with hearing how these these founders built these companies like so so interesting i think the guests are sorry the the interviewer is really good so that was that's the first one that came to my mind what were you going to say
0: um how i built this uh was is right <laughs> on the top of my list is a really interesting podcast and also his book guy raz's book which is um the uncommon path to common success sorry the common no, the uncommon path to common success which um he talks a lot about podcasting so if that's um something that you you know love i love Mm -hmm. um also design matters with debbie millman um that's one of my favorite sort of like go-to's i've got a bunch of course um yeah lewis house the school of greatness is a wonderful podcast as well my wife's favorite podcast is the guilty feminist and if you haven't listened to that, that one um it is hilarious it has uh, got enough comedy in it that it's you know like it, it's very cool um okay I'll check that
1: one out and
0: it, like I I can take it or leave it, it to some degree I do listen to it occasionally um but my wife and my eldest daughter are like yeah they they went to her show while she was touring in Australia just recently so it uh-huh. uh Yeah. There's some really kind of, there's so many really cool podcasts. I
1: find I bounce around based on how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. So if I'm like, Oh, I really want marketing advice. I'll, I'll pop into like Amy Porterfield or, um, like the, like Tim Ferriss or Gary Vee even. Right. Or, but if I'm looking for more, you know, just business inspiration, it's like how I built this. Um, you know, sometimes I'll even listen to episodes of my podcast with a guest. Like, I want to hear yeah. what that guest had to say yeah. again. Because what I think is also super cool about podcasting <laughs> is that when in your life do you get to replay a conversation that you've had with someone? Like, when else would you get to do that? And then when I find, when I, and I don't listen to every episode, but when I re-listen to an episode that's a guest... Mm-hmm. I hear it differently Uh for the second time. Uh And I pick up and I remember different things and it's so funny. Or I listen to it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember. I wanted to follow up on that thing. And I just, I completely forgot. And so I find it really cool to sometimes listen to an episode, whether it's my podcast or someone else's, multiple times because you take something different away from the conversation.
0: It's like watching a movie multiple times. If it's a good movie, you get more out of it each time you watch it. Another favorite yeah. of mine is the Chase Jarvis live show. Chase Jarvis, he's a okay. photographer. Um, yeah. he does a great. He, his Chase Jarvis live is is really good. And one that I, I drop in and out of a lot is um, Rich Roll. Rich Roll's podcast mm. is always interesting. Mm-hmm. He's a great interviewer. It, um, yeah. But um, yeah, I find yeah. I I listen to lots. Um, my wife gave me uh, a book and also. I listened to a podcast. I can't remember which platform it was on. Um, Maybe Spotify, but it was between President Obama and um, Bruce Springsteen.
1: Ooh, interesting. And it's limited
0: episodes, but it is something else. It's something else. And there's a beautiful book of it as well, um, like a coffee table book of it. But, yeah, I think that's really interesting to do that. I have one more, which is the Bucket List guy, um, Travis Bell. The bucket list guy. I'm He's a i never going to have time to
1: listen to all of podcasts. I know, podcasts. I know. So here's the thing. Like, I have two little kids. Mine are five and seven. So if I get 15 minutes a day... To listen to a podcast, I am a lucky woman. Uh-huh. Uh, so I feel like I'm in the busy years right now of parenthood. So I don't have as much time as you do, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe I've got a wife, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I am the wife. So <laughs> exactly.
0: exactly. Hey, let's talk about let's talk about the power of process and what you're doing with your um, online course, which is the power of process. How does it work? What happens? What do people learn from you um, and how do they become involved in it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would love to talk about it. It's a really major passion of mine. Mm -hmm. It's so funny when the pandemic hit, in addition to starting my podcast, I did my first online course and it was not process. It was about marketing because at the time it seemed that everybody wanted to hear how I was marketing my business. So I did a marketing course and it was great. Um, But what came out of that is so many, I realized how many designers did not have a process. And they had so many questions specific to how I was doing things and running things inside my business. There was a real light bulb for me and I realized obviously I should be talking about process because it was the number one game changer in my own business. So that's where the process course came from is I thought, all right, this is what people are asking. I'm going to do it also because I talk about it so much that people wanted to hear more. And for me, it's interesting because I did not go to school for business. I probably Mm could have had your, your wife would have been helpful early in my (laughs) career to business coach me. (laughs) But I had no idea what I was doing. You heard my my journey, right? Yeah. I did not go to school for business. As much as I was entrepreneurial spirited, I did not know the ins and outs of running a business. It was about the craft. It was about Mm -hmm. making things pretty. And I think as many designers start to realize when they go out on their own, it's a service-based business, it's about your clients, and there's so much more to it than just picking fabrics and paint colors and designing in AutoCAD, right? It's not the, the, you know, back to the marketing talk from earlier, clients are hiring you not just for the work you do, but for who you are and how you can serve them and how the, the experience of working with you. And I, I mean, I'm not gonna get into it on this podcast, but I have, you know, I had that, I had a lemon job. I had this one job and I won't I'll spare you the details, but essentially the client said to me, we liked you, Rebecca, and it's a beautiful space, but to be honest, the process of working with you was chaotic and it was unenjoyable we were over budget we never knew what to expect and it was a real wake up call for me and so at that point i really started to hone in and pay attention and do business courses and and sign up for memberships and listen to podcasts about design because i realized that there had to be a better way and this was maybe six years into my business finally i realized shoot something has to change i can't go to bed at night feeling this huge weight of anxiety in uh, my chest mm-hmm. what did i miss what's next checking my cell phone and seeing like a text message from an angry client yeah. right and, and i'm a sensitive person and so i tended my husband could never understand it but i would take everything personally mm-hmm. i would feel it would it would just feel i could feel it in my bones and once i firmly established a process a way of doing things everything changed It didn't change overnight, but it very quickly changed. I now run a business in a state of complete calm. We're not running, we're not reactive, we're always proactive. And so what I teach inside my course is how designers can truly eliminate that chaos and set themselves up for success, establish their own unique process too, because I'm one of, I don't know if I'm one of the few people, but not a lot of people talk about this. I don't think it's a one size fits all.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: think that, there isn't a lot of standardization in our industry. I don't, I'm sure you, uh, mm-hmm. yours is it's similar, right? Mm-hmm. Not every firm runs things the same way. Not every firm prices the same way. Yeah. And so it can be frustrating, but at the same time, I don't think it will be standardized in the residential design space because we're all individual personalities we all have want to offer different services our clients needs are different but it's about finding what that service offering is for you standing strong having the confidence that you have a way of doing things so that you can also charge your worth yeah and so essentially the course is that it's sharing what i've learned from my own mistakes it is six weeks it's a pre-recorded course with live aspects there's study hall sessions every week on zoom there's live q a sessions with yours truly there's all kinds of bonuses it's an incredible community on the fate we have a facebook group that's private to the community i'm actually doing adrian for the first time i've never done this before so we'll see a private podcast oh it's a private podcast because i love podcasting i'm like well, this would be a natural thing for me to do. So it's a short series, limited series, kind of like the one with Barack Obama. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
0: Barack. <laughs> minus and, the um,
1: minus and, the president.
0: Bruce. Yeah, Bruce and I yeah, put and Bruce, something yeah. together. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's just a little, little me. Yeah. But it's a private podcast, so it's not accessible publicly. So if you searched it, you can't find it. Uh-huh. But the people who are the members in the course, they get access to it, and it shows up on their iTunes, um, and it's it's meant to kind of encourage them in their ear like we just talked about as they go through the course like do the coursework to show up give them extra thoughts and ideas have past um students share their experiences so i'll let you know how that goes i love that that.
0: i think that's a really cool innovative idea is to have your you know these people that are on your course are um, essentially you know wanting to be able to learn from you in multiple formats so you're 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 reaching them in more than one way they don't have to just watch the video they can listen to it you know eric dillman who uh, we both know eric the pro yeah. series podcast and a big shout out to eric um, eric
1: introduced us
0: he did he did and and he is i listened to his podcast as well like it's a really cool mm-hmm. podcast but eric taught me this wonderful thing which i haven't implemented yet but he taught me, he puts his podcast on every platform. You can go and watch it on his LinkedIn. You can watch it on, uh, you, you can watch it as well as you can listen to it on mm-hmm. every different platform. You do not have to listen to Eric. You don't have to go to a podcast to listen to him. He'll put the yeah. episode up on Um, YouTube you'll put the episode up on Instagram he does it everywhere he goes to where the people are instead of the arrogance of sitting and going you come to me you come Mm -hmm. to me Apple bring me my people I found that out
1: after he (laughs) interviewed me and I was like in the dark in my house in my closet because I couldn't be in the other room and then he posted on Instagram I was like oh Oh, so he is using the video (laughs) All right then (laughs) I'm like oops
0: (laughs) big shout out to yeah big shout out to eric though he meets people where they're at not necessarily making them come to him and Mm -hmm. i think that's a really valuable thing in this world today that if you're not prepared to go to them then why should they be prepared to come to you and being doing that private podcast is actually giving them another step of learning another step of reinforcing in in a group where they can then talk about that podcast or about those pieces and get feedback from the other participants in the group as well through the facebook group yeah. and i i think that's his to you i'm really keen to see how it goes
1: i mean we'll see it's like i i didn't need to do it it's just another thing i've thrown on my plate but i do feel very strongly that i want people to get results like the results yeah. that the students are getting from my course are freaking phenomenal. And it's it's such a supportive community. And so I just want to make sure that I am doing everything I can. Like they've signed up, they've paid money, they've joined with all the best intentions. I want to make sure that I'm, like you said, meeting them where they are at, Mm -hmm. giving them all the tools to succeed, to do the coursework so they can come out like all these other incredible past students we've had and double, triple their rates, right? Yeah. Feel confident that they only need to take on a handful of jobs or what have you. I think that everybody learns differently too, which is yeah. an interesting thing to think mm. about,
0: mm. right? Yeah. Some
1: are audible, some are visual. Yeah, right. Some need to see it and write it down. So,
0: That's so a we'll really see good how point. it goes. But yeah, I love that. Yeah,
1: I'm excited about it. I, I love, love teaching. I really do. I love inspiring. I love helping other women. And there's nothing I love more than then making a suggestion or giving some tough love sometimes yeah, or sure. saying, Hey, this is how I do it. Do it that way if you want. And then having that person come back to me and say, wow, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Because my interior design clients are not coming to me as regularly <laughs> they come at the end and they're like, it's amazing. Yeah. But I, I love that I get to help people uh, at another more personal level.
0: I love that. I think it's actually, uh, I often look at our, once we reach some level of success in our business to be able to do something um, more than is I, th- I look at the world as that you put your hand down to lift somebody else up. So you're always looking for how can I lift this person up? And I'm always looking upwards to who's got their hand out to help lift me up. And and I just That's go, it just goes both ways, like, mm-hmm. it, but if you're not prepared to lift somebody else up, why would anybody prepared, be yep. prepared to lift you up? So, I love that. you know, That'd you demonstrate cool. this behavior and then that grows that. And, that and it makes the world a better place. And I think something like what you're doing lifts people up and it gives them an opportunity to be lifted. Um,
1: Yeah, it's empowering to have knowledge and feel supported. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I mean, I didn't have that when I was starting my business. It was just me. And I think that quite often the interior design industry tends to have a little bit of a bad rap in the sense that, there's a sense that designers are better than and snobbish and they don't share (laughs) and it's very competitive, right? When I started off in the Toronto design scene, I felt like a nobody. Uh, It was, I felt uncomfortable. I should probably wear all black and high heels because that's what everybody else was doing. But eventually I found my niche and now I've uncovered there's Hundreds, if not thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of designers out there yeah. who are not snobby, yeah. who are very just, collaborative yeah. and want to share, and it's it's a beautiful thing. Actually, this is I super think the cheesy, bigger but part. It's so beautiful,
0: but the bigger <laughs> part is is there is all those people, those those people, yeah. all those ones who want to share and want to help. I um I believe in education, although I'm not educated. It's a it's an interesting thing. I'm dyslexic and because I'm dyslexic, I found that um, school was a real grind. Um, You know, Mm. I couldn't get the marks I needed to do things, et cetera, et cetera. I could do it in art, that was easy, but um, the other part was really tricky. And yet I um, am a great one for going to, well, I'll speak at a school or something at Careers and I'll say, education is your fastest journey invest in yourself Mm. through education, not just at school, but outside of school. When we leave school, that isn't the end of our education. That's the the small platform to step from to the next level of learning again. And so I have, um, I work closely with uh, the Architects Marketing Institute. Um, I'm in, I get up at 5 AM in the mornings to be on coaching calls. I like, yeah, I do these things because that education is so valuable. And I go, it's, um, I learn something from the people that I'm around constantly. And so Mm -hmm. the other thing is that I believe with it is, is when you pay for something, you commit to something and you, you know, like other than your gym membership, which you will let slide with a million excuses. But when it's for your business, you're actually investing in yourself and in your family and in your future because it's a financial thing to be better at yeah. it. And we should be better at it. We should be better well, at it so the people get better is, results. Like,
1: and most of the information is there at your fingertips for free on the internet.
0: Uh-huh. Yep. You can
1: find everything out there for free on the internet. But I think once you pay exactly what you said, Adrian, once you've paid for something and you're committed to change and you want to learn, mm-hmm. It's a different ball game. I mean, not to mention, when you invest in professional development, it's mm-hmm. a business expense.
0: A hundred percent, yeah. It's
1: a write-off. It's not yeah. free, but it's a write-off, whatever yeah. that means.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> in yeah, whatever you,
1: country you're in, but.
0: Generally, it means that you're not gonna pay tax on that money that you spent on it, which is, means that whatever your tax rate is, you're gonna save that much anyway. And with the learnings exactly. you're gonna get, you're going to actually make more money. And the, the government will get their tax, some way, somewhere out of you. Yep. That That's that's part of their thing. They're, the fact is, is that the better educated you are, the more money you will earn and the better your process will be and the better your clients will enjoy it. I think it's I great. I've invested
1: I'm, tens of thousands of dollars oh, in my own yeah. education, if you want to call it continuing mm-hmm. education, mm-hmm. but it's informal. And 100% I've made that money mm-hmm.
0: back. I wish mine yeah. was in the tens of thousands. I reckon mine would be in, uh, well over a couple of hundred thousand. <laughs>
1: Well, over I'll be there soon. Well,
0: over. Yeah. But I think it's valuable and it does really set mindset as well. I've got some questions that I want to ask you. Here we go. Here we right. go. <laughs>
1: this are you is the serious?
0: Rebecca, stuff. are you ready?
1: <laughs> I don't think so, but I'm going to go anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, give this a shot. <laughs> now, I have some questions that I, I'm, I'm exploring and I would really like to ask these of you. In your home, So in your own home, what is your favorite room?
1: Great question. My favorite room is at the back of my house. It's actually the smallest room in my house. And it's a little sunny room that has two chairs where we've just put a little uh, home bar in. But it's where I like to sit because I can see into the backyard and it gets the most amount of natural sunlight. I'll have a coffee, a glass of wine, read a book, read the paper. It's my favorite spot to sit.
0: I like that.
1: I'm like a cat. I want to curl up in the sun.
0: Yeah, right. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And okay, so then if you had to describe it with one word, that room with one word, what would be the feeling? So I want you to describe the feeling or the emotion. You don't have to do it in one word, but. In one mm-hmm. word this is the what would it... be part of the questions uh-huh this is when we feel <laughs> um no what is that one what is that <laughs> one word that would describe that um emotion that that room evokes for you
1: great Ooh, tough question mm. adrian hmm so many i can think of a lot of adjectives however to describe the f- emotion or feeling would be probably um contentment oh
0: okay right it's
1: it's a feeling of okay i'll let you go no
0: no no go no tell me No, no it's
1: it's 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 a combination of of feeling relaxed but happy and like everything is as it should be
0: i'm writing this down (laughs) <laughs> All right, then. Oh.
1: <laughs> contentment. I think Shit. it's hard these days in our lives to to find contentment. We're always searching for the next next thing. What's happening mm-hmm. next? Let's prepare. And, and you've given me pause to think about it, actually. It's at the end of the day. It's where I want to sit. First thing in the morning, it's where I want to sit. And a lot of that has to do with just the natural sunshine. Because yeah. like you, I'm a, the sunny side up girl.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It brings in all the, all the warm feelings.
0: I think that' um, it's, it's really important and as you say, it brings in all the really warm feelings. And if this room didn't exist in your home, what would you change about your home or where would you go to get that contentment, that relaxed happy feeling?
1: Um, I'd probably move because <laughs> right. my house is rather dark if it didn't have that room. We just did an entire reno just so I could open up that room by a couple more feet so I could let in that light into the rest of the house. Mm-hmm. If it didn't exist, I mean, where in my house? I, I mean, to get that feeling, I'd probably in my living room.
0: Yeah. It's a
1: completely opposite vibe. It's painted a dark navy uh, Blue Note by Benjamin Moore. It's very moody and den-like. Mm-hmm. There's a dark-covered porch, so we don't get sunlight directly in. But it is very cozy when you turn on the fireplace. Mm-hmm. You can get that. Um, are you thinking like outside of my house? Like if there was another no, place? That in the was world, just. Kind of it
0: thing? was just if they, if your house didn't have that magical spot, where would? You, yeah, maybe it's outside. Maybe it's wherever. It, the 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 key point to me is, is, a that you have a spot which I think is so important that there is mm. a spot that can evoke this. Hey, I started with what's your favorite space. So the f- most favorite room in your home. And you went to the one that was the one that gives you the relaxed, happy and contented mm-hmm. feel. And then to me, it's like, so what does that mean? And you described what it meant. You described how, it, mm-hmm. what it meant in your life. And, and probably so, if it wasn't there, if it wasn't there, what would you have to do to seek that out? Because if contentment had to be in your home, if I was listing, mm-hmm. you know, the different things that you required, you'd get contentment in other rooms as well. But you described what made you content. You became the cat. You lay in the sun. You relaxed. Mm-hmm. You took the time. You were, you know, like the, the everything else washed down. And all your energy yeah, just so- washes down to... Yeah. <sighs> to breathing.
1: For me, it's always about nature, which is why I always debate, should I move out of the mm-hmm. city? I am I am so drawn to the country. That's why I'm trying to build a country house. So far, unsuccessfully, we bought the land. It's all just, the land is just sitting there vacant. But I, there's something about being in the country roads with the trees mm-hmm. and the sunlight. Mm-hmm. Like, give me a blanket on a field or, you -hmm. know, a picnic table. As long as I have that, the nature and the green. And that's what that room for me, I look out and I see trees. Yeah. Like how you said, you look out and you can see the trees in your backyard Mm -hmm. and the birds are buzzing Mm -hmm. around. Like, I heard that and I was instantly jealous because from my studio right now, I stare at the brick wall of the, the warehouse next door.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And it does not, and, you know, as designers, we are, our spaces really affect us. Otherwise we wouldn't be designing spaces for a living.
0: Well, I think even beyond us being designers, our spaces affect all our clients as well, whether we designed them or didn't design them. It, space affects us like great architecture moves you through space and changes volumes and those volumes change emotions and they whether the journey's easy or whether it's got um you know obstacles whether you're, it's a driven path or one that you just wander through these all these different mm-hmm. things set us up for different feelings and finding those feelings and, and and needing them so one of the things that came out of what I was just talking to you about was you need that to be the best you.
1: Mm. I feel like I'm in a therapy session. <laughs> just perfect. lie
0: back on the couch.
1: <laughs> I might lean back in my yeah. chair here. I know.
0: <laughs> Next Wednesday at four. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. I'll yeah. be there. <laughs> but I just, when we're working with clients, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, and whether it be from, you know, a built environment side or whether it be from a decorated or the the you know whether the surface is hard and shiny whether like it describe that room the surfaces in that room for me
1: yeah they're not hard and shiny there's a wool berber carpet there's two upholstered club chairs you know i'm dying to put the drapery on the new windows that we installed because i need that softness that Mm -hmm. warmth Mm -hmm. helps to absorb the sound but it just Mm -hmm. there's a feeling that it evokes and you Mm -hmm. know that which is why you're smiling and nodding your head (laughs) right there is and it's interesting i'm looking behind you at the architectural um sketches that you have on the wall and it just makes me think about the farmhouse that i have every intention of building one day but as we were working with the plans and the architect to me i was obsessed with exposure sunlight and it mattered so much because it's something that makes me. Now I'm realizing in my therapy session with Adrian.
0: <laughs> that so when okay, I have all, all that, go, su- let it all go. <laughs> go You're now. safe here. <laughs> you told me I wasn't gonna cry. <laughs> but now I'm almost um, there.
1: <laughs> but really, it matters because to me, the sunlight and the outdoors coming in is is part of what makes me personally obviously feel contentment and feel at ease and so i want it for my clients um but I, everyone obviously experiences their surroundings differently so it's yeah. really interesting
0: yeah it is eh? like i also have one more question based around that is is there a this is deep therapy now I'm not licensed (laughs) Uh to do this, I'm not, I'm (laughs) I'm not licensed to do this, yeah. Um, uh, Is there a childhood memory that you attach to that that feeling of contentment? Uh, Is there a moment or a series of moments like that are attached Mm. to it that you can identify, you know, and uh, Hmm. I'll let you answer first and then.
1: I don't know this does feel like therapy mm. I don't know I would have to do a little closing my eyes play some music um probably don't, don't come back probably. to me
0: sometime and tell me if yeah, there is I will. because yeah. I, I often often we attach things you know like I like to ask my clients these kind of questions often we attach things to think to events so a great example would be, um, I do this little thing with clients, I often say, so what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine this scene. And they're like, all right. And they think I'm you know, <laughs> going a bit woo-woo. And um, I'm really checking their silver and stuff to see if I can flog any before I leave their home. No, I, um, what I'm doing is, is I say, to them, just play this game with me. So close your eyes and do this. I want you to imagine that you are in a street and it's tree lined and the trees hang over the street and it's got a a sidewalk on each side and it's got lawns, the houses don't have fences, they've all got lawns that slope up from the street or on the side that you're looking at, they slope up from the street and the houses are set well back from the street but you can see them beautifully and they're kind of a craftsman style so they've got wide porches. And they've got peaked roofs. They're very kind of traditional looking. And there's a big tree in the front yard. And there's a path that comes up from the letterbox and it goes straight up to the house. And the house is maybe four steps up to the porch. And those steps are big and wide. And the lawn's green and there's a tree. And in the tree, there is a a rope hanging with a, a tire tied to it and there's a dog there's a dog that's come into the picture the dog is a labrador and that's a long-haired labrador and there's a kid there's a girl swinging in the tree she's swinging in that tree and you're sitting there talking with a friend on those front steps and they're going "Uh uh-huh uh-huh and i go so you're in a hollywood movie right now we all know that scene we all know that scene and we can all identify with this there's either a horror thing about to happen (laughs) or there's something very gratifying is about to happen it's either going to go one or the other way because they've set the scene and we've seen it a million times most of us empathize with that scene because we have been on a date night or gone to a movie and enjoyed that piece and they've lulled us into the sense of contentment and community and conversation and um, family and all these things with that beautiful little scene. Mm -hmm. So when I'm looking for clients or with clients, I'm looking for the things that lead me into what those journeys are for them. And in those journeys, I'm looking for what makes their favorite room their favorite room. And what's the word you would describe that with? And then what does that word mean um you know if it was a dictionary what does your word mean um so contentment means relaxed and you know it, it means those things to you
1: yeah it probably that's does to so somebody
0: crazy. else as well
1: yeah so what do you do after you get them to visualize the house then now you ask them to visualize their favorite place oh <laughs> uh,
0: yeah that, that's, that, that's just a game actually next? that's i i do i go i go so tell me about Your favorite room in your current house or your favorite space that you would go to, which might be at your grandmother's house. It might be, you know, a library. It might be wherever. I don't know. It might be the beach. It might be whatever. Tell me about Mm. your favorite space. Tell me the feelings it gives you. I love to do it when it's inside the built structure because what I'm doing is I'm creating an emotional floor plan for them. I want mm. to transition them through emotions in this space and so I'm doing the built structure but in doing the built structure you live in it so mm-hmm. we want emotional shifts we want emotional things to support us to be our best us you know to be our best yeah. you and so I'm looking for that in the conversations with clients and so I'm really fascinated and you're actually the second person I have asked these questions of And I am going to keep building this um, because I believe there's an emotional floor plan as well as there is a physical floor plan. Mm. And when we do a custom home, we're creating an emotional floor plan for you. 100%,
1: I love that you think that way. I absolutely love it. This is why you're so good at what you do. um, (laughs) Because I, but I subscribe to what you're preaching. For me, when I walk, it's the feeling of the home matters more than
0: anything. Oh, everything. The
1: layout, and obs- I'm like obsessed over that. No, I don't want to walk in and it be just, I don't want to walk right into the, th- you know. No, I don't want to yeah. feel that one. To feel like you're turning a corner is cozy, and but I'm not the architect, so I don't know exactly how to do it so that it's structured, so that it all looks good, but I can, I feel that. So I mm-hmm. 100% think you're onto something here because I think a lot of us, intuitively do it without even necessarily recognizing what we're doing, Mm -hmm. especially when we're creating spaces for people. Um, I think it's fantastic.
0: I think that it, um, like I've done it for many years, but not as formally asking other people. I ask clients the things about how it Mm. makes them feel, but often I will put them, uh, I won't leave them hanging. Like I gave you the space to answer. I would often fill it with. So, would this be nice? Would this be nice? So that, that they don't struggle. Mm. But my yeah. my shift is is are they going to struggle, not <laughs> gonna struggle. Make you struggle. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, I'm going to
0: let them find the space to come back to me with it, and then yeah, very cool get that thing because I th- I look at your home. At different points, so we design house, I design houses, so my firm does. So we design new builds and we also do renovations. We design the renovations. With that, we're shifting a chapter in somebody's life, especially if it's a new build. We're shifting a chapter in their life. That is a chapter that we're setting up that might last five years, it might last 50 years. Often with what we do, we do what we call legacy homes, which are homes that are on large properties that people see as being a family legacy when they're dead, that that home will still be where some of the family members come back to and it will endure. And it will have the traditions that were set there, and they're very big about tr- family traditions. This is what my father did. This is what my mother did. Mm. We're going to continue that tradition. This is what my grandma did. We're going to continue that tradition. That's a legacy oh God, home. I love
1: that. I love Beyond that. A dream I haven't home. heard that term. I love that.
0: Yeah, we've got we've got clients who have put properties into legal structures so they cannot be sold by the children or the offspring of the children that they have.
1: Amazing, mm-hmm. wow.
0: Mm-hmm. So that those wow. those houses will sit there and there's, there's, I don't know exactly how these structures work but they're legacy homes and they're big enough, they built these homes either not necessarily the big main house, but they will build other pieces on these properties so that there will always be space for families to keep coming and gathering. And they set up the traditions of Christmas or whatever it is, mm. and they will fly their families in if it, at their cost if that's what it takes. Yeah, yeah They yeah. will get oh the gosh. people together because they want to sleep. This is going to be their legacy. Mm-hmm. They want their you know great-great-granddaughter to say... I never met them, but my grandpa mm-hmm. did, my it's grandma did. It's something that did. I think
1: used to exist in society uh-huh. because society a hundred years ago, That's how it tearing was tearing down houses left, right and center. It yeah. was, you, you know, you inherit the grandparents' home and, oh, remember, like, grandma used to sit there. I love that. I mean, that would be the dream I, for me. You can design my legacy home when I'm ready. <laughs> this <laughs> so is you got to come to Canada. <laughs> oh, do it.
0: Trust me. Um, <laughs> this is the thing. Like, you take, say, like that, your farmhouse, but you also take these um, tightly held family plots, say, like lake houses. Mm-hmm. where you know the family could probably get together and all chip in and stop the fight and all chip in and buy a lake house but then they go i don't want to go with him and i don't want to do it when they're doing it and all the rest so then what it is is when those tightly held pieces of land that suddenly aren't um, affordable for any other member of the family those are yeah. legacy homes and they remain in the family and farms used to do this they used to you know, get passed down um, through the generations. So we've lost that in in our communities. So how do we gain that um, back into our communities? And it's something that, like, I just absolutely love to work on. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, know a a home will be redecorated constantly and go beyond decoration. A home is a core that will need to change over the years. So let's say a house stands for 200 years. Um, In that time, it would probably get, you know, more than 10 families that might live in it. Maybe way more than that. If it got more than that, each one of them will have different needs, different things, and that house will get altered according to their needs. But if that core of the house is always beautifully designed, if the architecture wins at all times, then that will be preserved.
1: Yeah, I wish you were here doing some of these Toronto new builds, because I tell you, there's no feeling to them.
0: Trust me, there's plenty of it here, too. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, again, it's about educating people to get to that thing of how do we understand? We're lucky in the fact that we work, you know, with custom homes. Um, We don't create houses for everybody. We create houses for a very few um, but we get to know them intimately to do the journey to create that home for them. And then, as I say, we're lucky also that we do a number of what we call legacy homes. And that's our joy. That's what brings yeah. me joy, is to it's have that privilege. depth. It yeah. is. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm humbled yeah. by the privilege. That's that's what I think about very designing. Cool. It's, very, yeah, it's a lovely thing. Um, one last question. One last project. You can't do one more project after this. This is it. You've got to hang your head up. You are done, baby. You can't rec- you can't record anymore. You can't do anything. What is he going to do?
1: One last project in terms of
0: it's your, design
1: what, what, or just life?
0: Oh no, not life. You're not going to die. Just design.
1: <laughs> 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 um. I mean, truly, it would be to make a TV show of building my own house.
0: Bring so that farmhouse on.
1: It's not just the build. It's the getting to be creative and and that, that whole, I love that. I love filmmaking. I love mm-hmm. that. But to be able to tie that in with building my own family legacy home, if you will, mm-hmm. that is truly the place to make memories because if that was the last project, then my family and I will live in that and make memories for generations. So that would be it. I'm not doing a hotel in Vegas. That's not my jam. Mm-hmm. It's truly, mm-hmm. the, that's why I do residential. I feel so passionate about residential design. I really do because it affects everything. It's that your, your home is the canvas to your memories.
0: Oh, I love that. I'm still that. I'm still in oh, that. Yeah. Oh, that's Steal going has on, on my away. website before yours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've been saying that for a while, but it's okay. You can borrow it. <laughs> no, I don't really preach it, but it's definitely how I feel. I grew up in a home where we hosted parties all the time. Our door was always open. People came in—friends, family. We always hosted Christmas and Thanksgiving and birthday parties. And I mean, I'm I'm still doing that in my little yeah. my little tiny plot in the city. But if I could do it, it would be you when know, you do exactly when you have your it
0: farmhouse, was. it will be that way.
1: Yeah, have a yeah. country house, have a cottage, yeah. whatever it is, and do it that way. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yep. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to talk to you and to well,
1: some very unexpected questions, or twists. That was yeah, off the
0: couch. Yeah, you're off the couch,
1: <laughs> and I would
0: encourage listeners to go and check out your course, um, the Power of Process, and know that this uh, being able to invest in your education will make you a better person in the fact of how you serve your clients and thank them for listening to us ramble on about our loves yeah. of passions of design. Yeah, so absolutely.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
0: Thank you, hon. It was awesome. Really awesome.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're going to get you onto my podcast, Resilient by Design. You'll be there and I'll come up with some good questions. Oh, <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> the, the challenge is on. The
0: challenge is on. I'm ready. I'm ready.
1: <gasps> awesome. Deep breath. Thank you, for having, <laughs> thank you for having me, Adrian. It's really been a pleasure.
0: Hey, Rebecca, thank you for making the time. Cheers, hon.
2: Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, If it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being... Pressure on fees. I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it, and it's by asking, say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up, and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch- chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of someone, and then they went to reach out, and then you you pulled it away, and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say. Well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you, see if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talkdesign. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.